are listening to an extra shot episode on the Project Zion podcast, a shorter episode that lets you get your Project Zion fix in between our full-length episodes. It might be shorter time-wise, but hopefully not in content. So regardless of the temperature at which you prefer your caffeine, sit back and enjoy this extra shot. Common Grounds. I'm Karen Peter, and this is where we talk about the liturgical or Christian calendar. Through the seasons and holy days of the calendar, we relive the story of faith, the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And each season, we participate as disciples through scripture and symbol and color and hymns that we sing to shape and form our discipleship. As we learn more about the liturgical calendar and as we observe it as a spiritual practice, we can deepen our understanding of what it means to be a disciple in community of Christ and a part of Christian community. Now, the calendar begins four weeks before Christmas with the season of Advent, and then it goes through the seasons of Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, Easter, Pentecost, and what we call ordinary time. Now, today we're talking about Christmas and the season of Christmas with our guests. And yes, you heard me right. It's guests plural today. We have Chris Daviston, who lives in Dubuque, Iowa. She's a Community of Christ minister. She holds an MAR, which is a Master of Arts in Religion that she received from Iliff School of Theology in Denver, Colorado. She and her spouse, Matt, served two years as World Service Corps volunteers in Malawi, and they have three beautiful daughters who are here with us on our podcast. So, Chris and girls, would anybody like to share a little bit as we begin? I'm 10 years old. Oh, this is Emily speaking. <laughs> Hannah speaking. I'm in sixth grade, and I, I played the flute, and I love to read. Okay. My name is Jordan. I am eight years old, and I'm in third grade. All right. Hi, my name is Emily. I'm in seventh grade, and I'm 11, and I enjoy music. Thank you. So I want to make sure our our listeners know that I've known Chris and Matt for a long time, actually from way before they were married. And so, yes. Yeah, and so it's just wonderful to um, have a reacquaintance period this summer when I was at family camp with their family and, um, and to have this opportunity for Chris and the girls to share about Christmas and the Christmas season. So let's jump in. Oh, Chris, did you want to say anything else about yourself to introduce yourself to the listeners? Keeping with the music theme, I have picked up this year is playing bassoon. Again, I used to play when I was in college, and so all of us here play an instrument, and so we are working on how we can incorporate that and be able to play together. So, because Jordan plays piano, and Emily plays saxophone, and Hannah plays flute, and I play bassoon, so. Oh my gosh. 
That was yeah. wonderful. I look forward to hearing how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So now we'll jump into our topic tonight, which is an, uh, an exciting one, especially since it's the middle of December right now as we are recording. And that is Christmas and the season of Christmas in the liturgical calendar. Now, most people are familiar with Christmas because it's not just a religious observance um, where we live in the United States, but it's also a cultural uh, phenomenon, if you will. Christmas begins um, pretty much the day after Thanksgiving when everyone rushes out to start shopping and seems to go right on until the day of Christmas on the 25th. But that's really not what we're talking about today in the liturgical calendar. So what are Christmas and the Christmas season when we look at them through the lens of the liturgical calendar? Christmas as a liturgical holy day actually begins at sundown on Christmas Eve, which is kind of important distinction uh, for us this year in 2017 because Christmas Eve falls on the fourth Sunday of Advent. And so technically it would be that the sundown of Christmas Eve is when Christmas would start. Um, and it goes through, the season of Christmas goes through um, Epiphany, the day before Epiphany, which is January, it would end on January 5th. And it obviously is the day in which we celebrate Christ's birth and is the beginning of the liturgical season of Christmas. It is the thing to which Advent has been pointing to. We've been preparing our hearts and our minds, and we've been patiently waiting for this day, and now the time is here to celebrate Christ's birth. That it is a special day, but it's much more than that. It's a whole season. So when I have um, talked to folks about worship and the liturgical calendar and those connections, I, mm-hmm. ask, I ask them if they're familiar with Christmas as a season, and most people say no, except I remind them that they actually know a song about the Christmas season. And you've all uh, mentioned how musical you are. What song is that that describes Twelve Days of Christmas. Twelve Days of Christmas, absolutely. I did not know when I was growing up that that referred to this period from, as you said, uh, sundown on Christmas Eve to the day before Epiphany. So... Can you share anything about that as you did your preparation for this discussion? What did you learn about that? I did not learn anything about the 12 Days of Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) But I will tell you that it was really hard to find information on the full season of Christmas. Yeah. It It was really hard. And the Catholics tend to, I think it's much more prevalent in the Catholic Church, but anything outside in the Protestant um, Church, any other denominations, is really hard to find kind of resources um, on that. So it really kind of become then limited to just one holy day. And I think there's so much benefit to recognizing it as a full season. So, but I think the reality is our culture, um, you know, we are at the end of our calendar year. And um, the, we have a lot of people take vacation between Christmas and New Year's. And, um, and so there's just, there's, you know, there's all this family time. And by the time Christmas is done, we're kind of, everybody's kind of ready for break. 
<laughs> and um, and I think between that and then the kind of focusing on the new year, the the idea of Christmas as a season um, just gets dropped, which is I think very important. So there's there's some kind of real tangible experience I think on on the evening of Christmas, if you will, or for some people it would be the following day when we kind of pack up all the used wrapping paper and we stuff it all into those cardboard boxes that we've all opened and we put it out in the garage to await the coming of the recycle truck the following week. And it's almost like we pack up Christmas right then and say goodbye. So how can we experience that season in a little bit different way? Um, I am reminded, um, first thing that comes to mind is an interview that I heard with Walter Brueggemann. And Walter Brueggemann is an Old Testament scholar. Um, I heard him actually on another podcast, Pulpit Fiction. Um, and Pulpit Fiction is um, a podcast with, you've got a United Methodist pastor and a UCC pastor, and they have commentary on the lectionary scriptures. And they also have Thursday night specials where they do, they interview um, uh, prominent scholars and theologians. And uh, Walter Brueggemann was, was talking about uh, um, Advent and the Christmas season. And um, he was saying that uh, it, it would be his preference to put his Christmas tree up on Christmas Eve and um, and then celebrate the full 12 days of Christmas. And he thinks that they should have, there should be worship every day of one, every one of those days okay. on the 12th of Christmas. I know. The, pa- the pastors on there were not all that impressed. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think the idea being, though, that to celebrate the seasons in their fullness and um, – I think we need to not be in a rush to get everything put away and um, uh, and to be able to appreciate um, the seasons as they, you know, fully. And so with Advent to kind of taking our time before we get into all the singing of the Christmas songs and um, waiting until maybe week three or four to start incorporating them so we're not set up, done with it. And... Um, and to enjoy the singing of those of those songs through the season, and to leave our Christmas trees up, and to um, and to en- enjoy that part of it, and truly celebrate that. Um, and I think that there's some really good um, devotional devotions that can help with that process as well. And I think to kind of keep us mindful um, throughout that season. So when we've been talking about the different holy days and seasons here on Common Grounds, one of the things that we've talked about are um, the scriptural foundations for the holy days and the seasons that Uh we um, experience. And Christmas, I think, is one of those holy days with which most of our listeners are familiar, if not with the scriptures, at least with the stories from the scriptures that kind of frame our understanding of Christmas and our celebration of Christmas. So when we talk about scriptural foundations for Christmas and the Christmas season, what are we talking about? Well, um, the focus for the Christmas season is actually the incarnation of Jesus Christ, So, which is Jesus made flesh. 
and is is here. And so obviously we have the story of um, of his birth, of the nativity, and then um, the scripture stories that are told are the stories of Jesus being presented in the temple and being named. Um, depending on the year, um, it could be also Jesus as a boy um, in the temple. And so um, those those are the scriptural foundations of um, the season. Um, and so, it's, a, it's, a, it's in contrast, you know, we talk about the incarnation of of Jesus, and it's really in, con- in contrast because Epiphany, which is coming up next, um, it really is, that focus is the divinity of Jesus, and so we have this this contrast. We, we're focusing on the incarnation, Jesus, God made human, mm-hmm. then God, Jesus, divine. So one of the um, things that many of us have in our household at Christmas time is the nativity scene mentioned the nativity story and so we have a stable and we put Mary and Joseph in the in the baby and and then we get out the shepherds and hopefully some sheep and a cow and a donkey but in most of the nativity scenes you also see three wise men or three kings Uh so are they part of the nativity or are they part of this season how do they fit into this story um the wise, the wise men were are always told as part of the story, but the wise men actually didn't come until a while after Jesus' birth. Um, so really, wise men shouldn't like be in the nativity scene with Jesus as a baby. They should be in the nativity scene like late in later years. Well, it kind of, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Good job, Hannah. So, Hannah, when you're talking about that, it makes sense because it would take time for them to get there. I mean, I'm thinking traveling by camel, probably not the most practical as far as speed to get somewhere. But if we think about the Christmas season as this journey, when we're kind of journeying with the wise men or the three kings, as they're known, as we travel with them, that journey would take some time, and it would make us kind of live in that Christmas season for a while before Epiphany. Mm-hmm. So, what else comes out of that story that we that we need to remember as we're experiencing the Christmas season together? And I did I did want to add. Um, I have actually heard of churches um, keep traveling, having their wise men travel through the church, making their way toward the nativity and ending up there on Epiphany. Um, and this year at our house, our, our wise men are currently not in our nativity. Oh. They're on the other side of the room. Okay. <laughs> um, and so we're, we're experimenting with that a little bit. But yes, recognizing the fact that they really were not part of the original nativity. So who is in charge of moving them on their journey towards this table? <laughs> we, we haven't really designated that yet. <laughs> you never remember. <laughs> but what a wonderful way to, to experience that as a family together and remember that we're in this period of journey living with Jesus as incarnation and waiting for the revelation of Jesus as divine 
That's, mm-hmm. that's wonderful. So in the scriptures, when we talk about this whole story, the Christmas story, um, when I think about it, I usually picture in my mind the Charlie Brown Christmas special at the very end when Linus comes out with a blanket and the lights dim and a spotlight shines on him and he recites the Christmas story from the King James Version of the scriptures to kind of help everyone, especially Charlie Brown, understand the true meaning um, of Christmas. But the story is actually kind of um, a compilation of several different pieces from several different books. And so the story as we know it was kind of pieced together for Linus and for most of us, I think. What did you find when you were looking at that? Um, for sure, like the story of the Magi are typically they're, they're, it's found in Matthew. But then we, when we tell the story, a lot of what we tell comes from the Gospel of Luke. Um, if you look to Mark or if you look to John, there are no birth stories. Mm-hmm. There is no birth story there. So, um, but we have, I think, over the years, definitely. Um, Kind of combined those those two the Matthew and the Luke versions together to make sense to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what can we learn from the different versions? What can we learn from the version that that has um, the angels coming to the shepherds, and what can we learn from the version that has the Magi traveling to see Jesus? That's important for us to know as we observe the Christmas season. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, we'll start with the Magi because we've been keep talking about them quite a bit. Um, and they point to, I think, the, you know, as we celebrate with in the Epiphany, they point to the divinity of Christ and the acknowledgement um, not only from the Jewish community but from others outside that he, he was the Son of God. And so um, we had those elements from that part of the story. Um, when we look at the the shepherds and um, in the fields, it, um, it, we are reminded I think, of Jesus's humble beginnings. Uh, so, like the shepherds, kind of represent yes, the humble beginnings, and also kind of like the angels came to the shepherds, and they didn't come to more of the noble people because shepherds. I don't know. Like, shepherds are more humble, and I'm just repeating what Bob said. (laughs) No, I think I get what I think I get what you're pointing at that that Jesus has this desire to be with and to care for those who do not have a lot of resources, who aren't the most important, who aren't the wealthiest, who don't have the social status. Mm-hmm. And so it yeah. makes sense that the announcement of Jesus would be given to those very people, the people mm-hmm. who are kind of outcast on the fringes on the hills that night watching over their flocks, as opposed to maybe comfortable middle-class folks in their warm <laughs> households who um, might not want to be bothered by that. So, yeah, 
Yeah, that does make sense. So um, when we talked about uh, preparing for this podcast, I also asked if you um, discovered anything about how Christmas and the Christmas season are celebrated in congregational life. Mm-hmm. The colors of Christmas that we that we adorn um, our sanctuaries with the the symbols that we use, or even um, any of the images that come to mind on banners and that kind of thing. What are the kinds of images and symbols and colors that represent the Christmas season in the life of the church? You guys have any thoughts on that? Okay, go ahead, Hannah. So, um, our church has this banner up, Joy to the World, with like, um, uh, um, Jesus in the, in the manger. Um, it's kind of like celebrating the, um, joy that that um, Jesus brought to the world. So the manger symbol, I think, is a really common symbol yeah, that we see in the life of the church. It's very significant for people. And hope, love, and peace as aspects of what, what are considered the elements of the Christmas season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the liturgical color for Christmas is white. And so um, the, you would, if you... A lot of congregations have Advent wreaths that they've been lighting their full or blue candles. Um, and so this is the point where you're lighting the white Christ candle in the middle and, and keeping that lit. Um, and, and I think probably, in my opinion, I think the Advent wreath is one of the unifying things that we kind of do across congregations. Mm-hmm. And you'll see that in a lot of places. Um, I think a lot of congregations, a lot of churches have Christmas trees up and um, with their lights. And I, and I, the lights are important. You know, we talk, our congregation does that actually hanging of the greens service. And we talk about all the symbols of each of the things that we, um, that we do. And um, having those lights on the tree, handy, having the candles lit are, reminded, are reminders of Jesus as the light of the world. And, um, in the darkest days of winter and in the darkest of our days, Jesus is our light. Yeah. Well, and in this day, we know there are people who suffer dark days and dark times. And so the symbol of light and hope is so important. So as a musical family, do you have favorite Christmas hymns or songs that you think um, would be important to celebrate, to sing, to celebrate the Christmas season? Well, one of my favorite Christmas songs is Canticle of Turning. It talks about, like, um, how the world is about to turn and change into something better and how God makes it, um, it's going to turn the world. Yeah. yeah. I agree. That's a beautiful Christmas hymn. Anybody else? It's one of the, like, main songs that we usually sing. Mm-hmm. that one. Do you have a favorite Christmas hymn? It would be that one. Yeah? Canticle of the Turning. Canticle of the Turning, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Emily, do you have one? One of my favorite songs to uh, play and sing and kind of celebrate is Joy to the World because I think it's important to have joy everywhere and be happy and joyful together and 
that's very important to keep in mind this time. Well, and for the Christmas to rejoice. That's one of my favorite words in the Christmas season is that word rejoice. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing flutes and bassoon and piano for Canticle of the Turning um, at at some point. Yeah, I think that would be wonderful. I think one one of my favorites is Silent Night. And, um, And I think it's because of my experiences and um, thinking about Christmas Eve services that I've gone to and uh, candlelight services and singing Silent Night and um, I have that that connection and enjoy that one I think it's just beautiful so I want to ask the girls are there any memories of Christmases that you've experienced that you think have helped you understand Christmas as not just a holiday, but as a holy day. Have you had any of those kinds of experiences that you could share? Um, last Christmas, we went to Oregon to see our great-grandpa, and to me it was very joyful because we haven't seen him in a while, and we can celebrate with our family and relatives. So what have you either read or learned about the season of Christmas, this whole kind of 12 days between Christmas and Epiphany, that you think would be important for listeners to think about in respect to being disciples and our discipleship? How does how does observing the 12 days of Christmas, like like you've shared... Um, sharing devotions that keep us in that space and living in that Christmas space for those 12 days. How do you think that would shape and form us as disciples? Usually the our culture has celebrated Christmas like one day and like rushed to get past it. But if we kind of take it slower and try to embrace the full meaning of Christmas over the 12 days, I think it would really help. I agree. Well said. There's a lot to be said both for um, taking the space during Advent to wait patiently and as well as embracing the full, the full time of Christmas because I think a lot of times we spend so much time on the Advent part and then we have, if we're lucky, one evening of maybe a worship Christmas worship mm-hmm. and then we're done. And we don't get the opportunity to really celebrate and truly embrace it as part of our lives. Some of the reading I've done, I came across a poem by Howard Thurman that really struck a chord with me this year. And Howard Thurman is a civil rights activist, and he, he did a lot of writing. He's a Quaker. And so he wrote an after-Christmas poem. And it was in a book called Black Fire, African American Quakers on Spirituality and Human Rights. And it was so good and so poignant to me. And the poem is, The Work of Christmas. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and the princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among brothers, and to make music in the heart. And I think, and actually I found a a devotional book by Bruce Everly that bases on this, that's a daily 12 days of Christmas devotional. And 
for me, if we can take these elements and take it from being just a worship time but a, an opportunity to, to reflect on what does it mean to live this and what does this mean to the people who are the most vulnerable in our society and how can we make a difference um, in their lives. And I think there's a benefit to saying, you know, we have these Advent calendars, which really are December calendars. <laughs> uh, that count down to Christmas. And uh, there's a lot of really good ones that make a difference in the lives of people, right? You know, you can to you know do acts of kindness throughout the day and or each day. And I think if we continue that and stretch that out through the Christmas season and continue to do those acts and and to reflect on what does it mean to be able to share the message of God came to us as a vulnerable baby in very humble beginnings and uh, with parents that weren't at their home and and who were struggling and and to have those kind of beginnings and what does that mean, what kind of message does that have for the rest of us? How are they willing to come to us and to understand our suffering because God's able to experience that, um, that love of Christ and to be able to share that with others. So it's not only just an internal thing, but it's an outward expression as well. So if we were going to try to explain the season, this is for the girls, if you were going to try to explain the season of Christmas to young children, how do you think you could do that in a way that would help them understand what we've been talking about? Any ideas? I would talk about the season of Advent, and then we get into Christmas, and then make and then like definitely explain the season of Christmas. Make sure they know it's a season instead of just a day, twelve days. Anyone else? Any thoughts on how children might understand, or maybe what do you think it's the most important thing for children to know about the season of Christmas? That it's like it's a build up like a roller coaster that you're going up really slowly and then you hit that top point which is Christmas and then it, you just drop down really fast and it sometimes that's a little too fast and we need to use those 12 days to kind of slow it down and yeah like slow it down and spend more time focusing on which that makes a roller coaster not as fun but <laughs> that was fun, but definitely we need to use our brakes a little bit more on that downhill portion, huh? Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. But you want to make it last longer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm in my brain is thinking ahead to what it would look like to make little um, Christmas calendars with 12 little boxes, and you open the box, and there's a, a kind deed to do that day, or there's a reminder of something for that day, or your whole your whole idea of the the Christmas calendar that's similar to an Advent calendar to help us have something tangible to look at and, and to understand that that Christmas is about hope and peace not just for us but for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the understanding of Christmas and the actions of Christmas has been really, really helpful. So any closing thoughts about this experience of talking about Christmas and the Christmas season that you'd like to share? One thing I did think of is the, I mentioned it at the beginning, but the idea of this 
happening at the end of the year, the calendar year. And so there's this temptation to take that Sunday after Christmas and maybe either have some kind of fellowship opportunity instead of worship (laughs) or uh, focus on the new year, the coming new year, and to not continue with the Christmas season. And I think there's another, there's an opportunity to continue that Christmas worship that second, that Sunday after Christmas and continue with those, with those hymns and with those Christmas songs and reading the scriptures and, and focusing on what it means to, to have God, God made in human form and how we can live that out. So I think congregational life, I want to encourage us to continue to move forward and fully celebrate the Christmas so take note, worship planners, right? <laughs> that we that we continue yeah. that expression of Christmas throughout the twelve days. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm hoping that you have a hymnal somewhere in your house, and um, if we could find that and open it to 404, which is Canticle of the Learning 404. And when I look at it, I see there are four verses, and there are four of you. So I am going to ask if each of you would be willing to read um, a verse, and then whoever reads the last verse can can read the chorus, and just read the chorus once at the end of the last verse. So we'll read all four verses and then the chorus. Is that agreeable to everyone? My soul cries out with a joyful shout that the God of my heart is great, and my spirit sings of the wondrous things they bring to the ones who wait. You fixed your sight on the servant's plight, and my weakness you did not spurn. From, so from east to west shall my name be blessed, could the world be about to turn. Though I am small, my God, my all, you work great things in me, and your mercy will last from the depths of the past to the end of the age to be. Your very name puts the proud to shame, and to those who would for you yearn. You will show your might, put the strong to flight, for the world is about to turn. From the halls of power to the fortress tower, not a stone will be left on stone. Let the king be aware, for your justice tears every tyrant from his throne. The hungry poor shall weep no more, for the food they cannot earn. There are tables spread, every mouth be fed, for the world is about to turn. Through the nation's rage, from age to age, we we remember who holds us fast. God's mercy must deliver us from the conqueror's crushing grasp. The saving word that our forebears heard is the promise which holds us bound. Till the spirit and rod can be crushed by God, who is turning the world around. My heart shall sing of the day you bring, let the fires of your justice burn. Like the whale tears for the dawn draws near and the world is about to turn. Thank you. I can't think of more fitting words to close um, this episode of Common Grounds, where we talk about the liturgical calendar. I want to thank the Davidson family, Chris and Emily and Hannah and Jordan, for joining us on this episode. I'm Karen Peter, and our next topic, if you uh, were listening, will be Epiphany as we enter into that season of revelation of the divinity of Christ. So thank you again for being with us, and we'll be here next time.
Thanks for listening to Project Zion Podcast. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast streaming service you use. And while you are there, give us a five-star rating. Project Zion Podcast is sponsored by Latter-day Seeker Ministries of Community of Christ. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are of those speaking and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Latter-day Seeker Ministries or Community of Christ. The music has been graciously provided by Dave Hines. Dave Hines